tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! So that's how I ended up getting a copy of the original uh, Bill of Rights in the U.S. Constitution. Bill of Rights? I've got it. Yeah. Yeah. I've got it hidden away, you know. It's going to be worth something someday on eBay. Someday. Oh, there you go. Oh, somebody needs to turn on their volume. Somebody needs to turn on their volume on our Whoops. YouTube feed as we start off the first uh, UFC After Buzz of the year, which means we're covering the first UFC pay-per-view slash event slash everything of the year. And we're stumbling through it like rookies here. Speak for yourself. I'm a professional. <laughs> Because I am George Hermosa. You can follow me on the Twitter at Hermosa. But why don't you two introduce your pretty selves um, with your Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, LiveJournal. Our pretty selves are et cetera, et cetera. as hell. Battle anybody. I don't care who you tell. L is hard. <laughs> LL, Cool J, yeah. J10, Laura Salazar. That's us, as usual. I should, I should sit there so it can be the LL, then mm-hmm. the cool, and then the J. Oh, oh. Wah, wah. <laughs> we should try that out that next was time. A good one. There's a LL Cool J and George, pretty much. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. But we are covering today Let's the get into first, it. like I said, the first pay per view, the UFC event of the year. Um, obviously, we ended with the bang mm-hmm. 2015, so now we enter 2016. Uh, what a way to start off the year! Yeah, fireworks, explosion, boom, kaboom, sonic boom, whatever you want to say it. UFC 195. What a a good card, good event, good show, good everything. Mm -hmm. I'm obviously capped off by uh, the main event, Mm -hmm. Condit versus Lawler for the welterweight championship from Las Vegas, Nevada. Of course, their home. Not even their home away from home, just their home. UFC's home. UFC's home. (laughs) Yeah. uh, To me, it was split decision city. We had uh, four different split decisions. Uh, Lawler versus Condit for the welterweight title. That certainly was uh, was a barn burner. I, I wouldn't I mean, go as far and say controversial. Um, some people might. I, I, I don't think debatable. so. Debatable. Yeah, definitely something you know worth debating. I wouldn't say like. Obviously, we've seen a lot more controversial uh, finishes in the past, mm-hmm. much more than this one. Um, did the right person win? Yeah, it can be debated as we'll talk about in a little bit. But yeah, definitely a great who night of fights. Win? I'm sorry. The, who did win? What are the headlines here? Well, the main the main headline is Robbie Lawler mm-hmm. and his second uh, second ever championship split decision victory. Successful defense, second defense of his uh, title. Performance bonuses for Stipe Miocic and Michael McDonald. Um, Stipe Miocic was in the uh, was the co-main event against mm-hmm. uh, Andre Arlovsky, which was pretty much a number one contenders match. Wasn't it for the? Uh, you can say that the next, yeah, next number one contender. Somewhat. I mean, some some people might we'll talk about it a little bit. Some some people might say over him. Mm-hmm. But you know, we'll talk about it a yeah. little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, fight of the night, main event: Robbie Lawler versus Carlos Condit, and a much anticipated welterweight bout. Yeah, what did you guys think of this fight? Uh, I need overtime, <laughs> <laughs> so for- I can uh, actually uh, make up my mind of who won. 
because it was. What, just, what did you think the first time you saw the fight? The first time I saw the fight, um, jeez, I thought, I thought Conda had it. Mm-hmm. Second time, I kind of was on the edge still and give it to Lawler. Mm-hmm. I um, I scored it uh, for Condit the first time around. So the Lawler won, as, as we said, by split decision. Scores were 47-48, 48-47, and 48-47. Um, I did, uh, like I said, I scored it for Condit. I gave him rounds one, three, and four, and Robbie set the second and fifth. And this was the, uh, the, the fourth of four different split decisions of the night. Um, three other ones, I think I agreed with one of the other th- three uh, and disagreed with the other two. So I think three in general that I, uh, I disagreed with. Um, but it is gr- – all of these were kind of great examples or, or case studies of scoring in terms of uh, – scoring in the realm of striking in that criteria, quantity versus quality, and how each of them can be so different. Um, quantity can overcome quantity. As it seems like we're seeing, or I'm sorry, as uh, I say the opposite, quantity, uh, quality overcoming quantity in the case of the Robbie Lawler match. But um, in some of the other ones, uh, I'm trying to think here. I think um, Alex Moreno and Kyle Noak in the uh, the prelims. Moreno also won by split decision, uh, 29-28. I agree, with, I agree with that one. Did you? Mm-hmm. I uh, I actually scored it for for Noak across the board, but it was super close. Uh, all of those, uh, all those three rounds. Um, I'm sorry, give Moreno the third round. So Noke twenty nine twenty eight. But um, that's what it comes down to. Is is most of these matches were were very uh, just razor close, and for the most part, you know, striking matches where it, it really depends on what you see these uh, these two guys throw. You know, I mean, we can all agree, and and just just by uh, watching some of the. Uh, professional, not professionalists, but like some of the fighters, Cormier, mm-hmm. uh, Florian, uh, Tyrone Woodley, who was probably much invested in this fight, they mm-hmm. all agree that that third round, and even the judges agree that that third round mm-hmm. could have really gone either way. And they actually, they all, even Dana White scored the fight for Carlos Condit. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it, it it really was that close. And for for that, I can't really say it's controversial. Like I said, much debatable. Um, did the right person win? Probably. I mean, another thing to look that, at is... Too, did you score it for Lawler then? I scored it for Condit. Yeah. Um, another thing to look at is, does the fact that... And John McCarthy says otherwise, and I, I was kind of thinking about it this too, where if you're the champion and it's that close, do you score it for the champion? That has nothing to do with anything. Um, no, no. In, in your opinion, yes. Right. Absolutely. But do you, what, what about the judge's opinion? Well, they're supposed to not. Um, I believe by the criteria of when when the match starts, the criteria that they're supposed to judge by is only the stuff that happens in those 25 minutes, not whether this guy has a long-lasting legacy or he's defending the belt for the first time or second time. It's what happens there, who had the better fight in there. And when when you get to the point of defining better, that's where I think there's a lot of uh, stumbling blocks um, and, and it becomes subjective. You know, in terms of what uh, what people define it as, um, some people the criteria itself for judging is uh, effective striking and grappling and damage. I think actually damage is first, um, and then effective striking and grappling second, and then after that, you know, other criteria. The idea is we've discussed this before. If 
all the other if the higher criteria are even and you can't decide then you bring the other criteria into consideration as well um and aggression and cage control actually is lower on the totem pole as it were um so a lot of people will see guys fighting and see one guy controlling the center of the ring and the other guy is circling and think, well, the guy in the center of the ring is controlling the match. He's winning. Not necessarily so. Um, and in this case, we saw different, uh, I, I don't know the time specifically, but I feel like we saw uh, relatively even amounts of who was on the inside and the outside. You know, It, it varied from, from time to time. Sometimes Condit was in the middle, um, but early in the... I think the first round or so earlier yeah, in the match. Louder. Yeah, and, and Condit was circling. Um, but, yeah, to the to that end, it, it did seem like it was the third um, the third round was the closest one. Um, the first round, see, we got Condit. Uh, Robbie was pressuring Condit, but uh, Condit dropped him at about a minute 30. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and actually, I have a note here saying, you know, he claimed the center uh, and landed some knees. Uh, Lawler came back, though, and dropped uh, Condit in the second. Um, and was pretty. That was about the halfway mark of the uh, uh, of of the match, and was in guard uh, for a little bit after that. But you know, stood up. And to me, Lawler's uh, Lawler's um, fighting his striking was being more effective. It was the more impactful damage of at least that second round. In the first round, Condit's uh, Condit striking that you know when he dropped uh, Lawler, that was the most impactful part. Of that round, that's how you're supposed to be judging these uh, these rounds. Is those five minutes by five minutes by five minutes? Not- but I mean, when you have such an even round as round three was, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it might be a little bit harder to judge. You're like, man, I don't know who to go. With. Oh man, it was just so evenly close. But some people might not help but to just go for the champ, considering that you know he is a champ. He's proven himself. You know, he's the champion. And no. again, I, I, I they're did not going to pass Big John McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, they're um, not going to pass the the command program. I yet. mean, they're not going to they're not going to say that if filling out a test. But once you're there, I mean, you know, obviously you can't really help it. Obviously, with John McCarthy said, you know, once the Kate, once the fight starts, there are no champions. Right. It just should be as even as it is. Whoever won the did round. Did you see that Dave Meltzer tweet like I did? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Dave tweeted that one. I thought it was very very interesting. Really? Once a the idea being you know. When the bell rings in a match, guys, mm-hmm. there are no champions anymore because both guys are fighting for that belt. If you retain, great. That means that you won that match. If you win it from the other guy, that means that you won the match. And this isn't like pro wrestling where, you know, if you win by DQ or count out, you know, the title doesn't change hands. It, it will should, change though. hands. And, I, and you mean pro wrestling or MMA? In MMA. It does. Well, th- there's no count outs in MMA. Yeah, that would be other, kind in of other, In other ways, you know, like uh, maybe... Uh, uh, low blow that maybe ended the fight or eye poke. You know the title right. does change hands in in MMA. Yeah, I you know I was wondering about that and I don't think I ever knew the answer for sure whether it, it's never happened. But right, I mean I guess I mean I, honestly I I'm just guessing so. to be honest, and I don't see why it wouldn't change. If you're disqualified from in, in a title match, you screwed up pretty. But badly. Here's, here's a question too, and I, I think a lot of people do know. Maybe a lot of people don't know if the champion misses weight. Mm-hmm. And then he still fights. Is you know what happens if he wins? Does he vacate the belt? No. Typically, no. In the instances that I've seen, um, well, in amateur promotion, I believe because we've seen defending. challengers miss weight, and then it right. becomes a non-title fight that mm-hmm. happened with I believe Anderson Silva and Travis Lutter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I don't think we've ever seen the champion not make weight, and in, in UFC, no, not in the UFC. But come to think of it, I think Antonio McKee. 
defending his lightweight title in MFC probably about two or three years ago. Um, I think that he missed weight and was stripped of the title, even regardless of whether he won or lost. But, oh, because he kept missing weight. Um, I don't know if he kept missing. He did miss by several pounds yeah. on on that particular show. But, I mean, that's kind of irrelevant to Robbie and, and Condit. You know? But uh, I know we were talking about round three. What about round five? O. You know what? M. Round five. H. Everybody kind of like make everybody kind of make. Oh, because it's you know oh. above level to G. It was like not an OMG. It's an OMH. What is the H for? I don't know. It's just nice higher letter. than G. Oh my heck! I don't know. Oh my holy god! I don't know. You, <laughs> you know like what? that? It was copyright. That was very very suspenseful. Um, I think not not to the to the like the last thirty one minute thirty thirty seconds mm-hmm. of the round. That's when Robbie just turned it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Just totally. turned it off. Before That's why he's that, champion. But before that, con- it was all Condit. Condit was controlling the pace of the round, but mm-hmm. uh, I remember tweeting myself, uh, so there's no proof of it. I think I, <laughs> I, think I, I think I hit delete before I can, before I can send the tweet. I was like, this fifth round, you don't blink because you're going to yeah. miss something. And holy crap, probably the best, not only, one, not, not only the best fifth round I've ever seen, one of the best rounds ever. Yeah. Like Best just going ever. all out, really? just all out. Like it's for the belt. Like obviously mm-hmm. it was tied, according to the judges, it was tied except for the one judge. Um, but oh man, these guys just just literally that's that's what you want to see in, a, in an MMA fight. Definitely. When you don't know who wins, and kudos to Robbie Lawler. I will I will talk about this about Robbie Lawler and his level of, I guess maybe like uh, humbleness or just honesty. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys would be like, oh, I totally won every round. I totally you know mm-hmm. dominated that fight. No, man, he was like, well, you know, I know I'll run two, or two of those rounds, you know. <laughs> but, and, and did you see the praise he was giving Carlos Condit yeah, at all? Definitely. Oh, yeah. Like, I've never seen a guy give his opponent that much praise. Well, then, and also especially coming from Robbie. Yeah. I think the other uh, part of the story of Robbie's, big part of the story of Robbie, the emergence of Robbie Lawler as a champion, uh-huh. is this new gregarious, comfortable personality he has. Mm-hmm. You know, he's... He's not answer, He's not falling asleep at press conferences. Mm-hmm. He's not answering questions with a single word and just moving on and giving you that growl, that scowl like you don't want to. He doesn't want to talk to you. Um, he's engaging. He is, and whether that was instruction or he just figured it out. And we've seen this in the past couple of matches from him. Um, I, I think. I think whatever corner he turned in his life in his career mm-hmm. that kind of coincided with a return to the UFC because I feel like we saw more of this Robbie Lawler after the first Hendricks fight, you know, mm-hmm. um, and certainly winning the championship. That's that was a huge milestone for a guy that's had a long road. So mm-hmm. maybe that was the corner for him in his career. But um, yeah, he is he's engaging. He is sharp to to praise. And you know, like good at it, and you, you can tell that it's it's quite genuine. And if it's not, he's fooling the hell out of me, you know. But it makes you want to see more of him, not just. And you know what? Big ups to him too, mm. coming from another war before that mm. on his last fight, right? To go into another the Rory McDonald yes. one, yeah. All right, coming off that fight, that fight, and I think I, I I remember last week we were talking about fights of the year, and if we have time, we'll try to talk about a little bit more uh, today. Um, and I was thinking about it yesterday. I was like, I, I think I said Cormier Gustafson was the fight of the year. Mm-hmm. I changed my mind to McDonald uh, oh, Lawler. Yeah. I actually rewatched that fight again. Me and too. that was amazing. That was that a was brutal, amazing brutal fight. So coming off that win, yeah. I mean, especially with the way Robbery, Robbie, I mean, that guy was damaged. I think mm-hmm. a lot, there were a lot of uh, memes and pictures on the internet comparing him and Predator. 
Yeah, that's, how bad, he, that's how bad he looked. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for him to come in and completely, obviously, didn't lose any confidence, and and, and I picked Carlos Condit to win, and not even uh, during the fight, but before the fight, I thought mm-hmm. I think the world of Carlos Condit. So right. for Robbie to come in and and beat him at Carlos Condit's best, I think Condit gave him all. Gave him all. If if there was rematch, I don't think how I don't know how you can like prepare better right. for, for yeah, exactly. a, another fight. Because you did everything. Maybe you jump can. guard and choke him out. Maybe <laughs> I mean, that was the part Take that it I to was. The yeah, yeah. I was most curious about was to see uh, any kind of a ground game. Can anybody? And uh, shout out to Joe Boza in the uh, and boss me down uh, in the uh, the chat room. And we had a couple other people earlier in, but I don't know where they went to. But uh, if anybody can can remember the last time that you saw Robbie Lawler in a ground fight <laughs> at all, and I'm not talking about those few seconds in Condit's guard. I mean, I think that's probably about as much as you can mm-hmm. get for Robbie Lawler in a ground fight. I'm trying to think. I mean, maybe Jake Shields? I don't remember that Jacare, match. Jacare, maybe? Jacare? I don't remember the, the Jake Shields match too uh, too well. It was quite a while back. Maybe he took him down a bunch of times and, and stayed on him. If I'm running off of, uh, you know, bad memory from years back. But, that, you know, we've not seen that Robbie Lawler yet. And, of course, everyone talks about he's got wrestling. He comes from Iowa. So, you know, it's practically, you know, in his DNA. But we've never seen that. You know, we, we see him wrestle enough to get out of there to keep mm-hmm. it standing. It's obviously his style. He likes to stand and bang. And it makes for great matches that people want to see. Um, that said, I want to see him tap a guy out. Or I want to see somebody try and, <laughs> try and uh, choke him out, you know, or catch catch a triangle or something. It is kind of weird uh, and surreal because this guy literally has been around forever mm-hmm. since, like, even, you know, this is his second sit in UFC. That's not his first. He's not right. some new guy. Right. He's not some rookie that they got from Strikeforce. He mm-hmm. went from Strikeforce from UFC. Um, does this guy impress you as much as he impresses me every single time he comes out? Like you said, you want to see him tap out somebody, but... Even if he doesn't, like, he's just showing off something new. Like, he's showing off, like, a chin that maybe didn't even exist five, exactly. six, seven years ago, you know? Hmm. The the first match, first favorite match that I can remember when I first got into the sport, the one that I enjoyed showing people, non-fans, and saying, watch this. You're going to become a fan <laughs> after that. Uh, it was Robbie Lawler and Chris Lytle from UFC oh, Chris, That's because Chris Lytle's the man. Well, yeah, yeah, and so is Robbie. And yeah. that was one where, guys, uh, Lawler wins this one by decision as well, but they go back and forth, just knocking the hell out of each other. And it was one of those rare moments when um, Lawler drops uh, Lytle at least once, maybe twice, I think in the second round. And Lawler just stands over him, looks at, at Lytle, who's kind of you know in guard, um, or, or ready on the ground. And Lawler just stands up and it's like, Aah! I'm sorry that you can't experience that on iTunes, but, uh, you know, maybe you did, you know, in spirit. And uh, and Lawler, Lytle is there clapping away. Like, it's like, my girl at the time said, it's like two monkeys playing with each other, going back and forth. And this happened a couple of times. They were high-fiving each other after good shots, and Lawler took shots there. Because, as he said, Lytle is a man. Um I look back and it's it's strange to think like Robbie Lawler has he's been one of my favorite fighters for the longest time that I didn't even realize was one of my favorite fighters. But when you watch a Robbie Lawler match, yeah, you know you're going to get It's fired. never boring and you know, mm. I think he just fights with his heart. Mm-hmm. Everything just leaves everything inside there. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, totally. You know. With that said, um, obviously, you know, he won, you know, he's still the champion, so obviously at some point he's going to have to defend the belt again. Now, a lot of people were saying rematch. I disagree with that. 
Mm-hmm. I think uh, not only not only because I think he won. Um, not not every good fight it has to be a rematch. Mm-hmm. But I think Tyrone Woodley. Not only did he get the shaft the last time uh, he was supposed to fight when Hendricks didn't make weight, um, and I think Dana White promised him a title shot. With that said, well, unfortunately, a Dana White public promise doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that that and buck twenty five will get you on the bus. <laughs> but that said, yeah, um, I, hopefully he keeps. I do believe he that he said that uh, publicly. Um, again, going off of memory, I don't want to put words in Dana's mouth. Um, I think that that's the right way. I'm, I'm, I agree with you about disagreeing about a rematch. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a reason. It was a fantastic fight, this mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. But there's not a reason to do a rematch. I mean, had Condit won, maybe, but he didn't win. Right. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I suppose that's a, that's a fair argument. I'm in, in general, I'm kind of against rematches unless it was super controversial and close because i know a big one was uh back in la when it was shogun versus machida mm-hmm. and machida was the, the 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 defending champion and he ended up winning right yet there was an immediate rematch because a lot of people that was a controversial one that people right. thought that shogun actually ended up winning yeah to me like i said close yes uh debatable yes controversial no right that's that was the one that I was thinking that match. Mm-hmm. That was the one that came to mind in in watching this one is, uh, and, and maybe it was actually kind of uh, resonant during the Lorenz Larkin Tumanoff match. You know, mm-hmm. with the leg kicks, um, which also was a split decision uh, as well. To, again, an example of your scoring criteria when it comes to striking. And Lorenz if you look Larkin at if you look at some of the rankings too, you have uh, next month Johnny Hendricks versus Stephen Thompson, which mm-hmm. of course I'm looking forward to as a big Wonder Boy fan myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have the number one guy in the in the rankings is Rory McDonald. I mean that guy got a beating. Like I'm mean, not that he doesn't deserve another title shot anytime soon, uh, but he's got to win a few, especially with the beating he got last time. So to me, Tyrone Woodley makes the absolute most sense mm-hmm. to get the next title shot. I'll pull for that. Yeah. Plus, I don't like seeing bottleneck. I don't like seeing titles get bottlenecked, you yeah. know, with rematch and, uh, and and waiting for, you know, everybody else has to wait, you know. It, it takes off steam for the other fighters, you know. I agree. I mean, Damien Maya has been completely impressive as well, so I kind of want to see him get that one more fight to see if he's ready for that title shot. And uh, like I said, it's uh, interesting. We've heard rumors of GSP maybe getting ready to come back too. Have we? Uh, that's, that's what yeah, the internet but, said. But you know what they were talking about? Um, how GSP kind of maybe gets a, a tune-up fight just to see if he still mm-hmm. has. Oh, it I agree. And all of that stuff, you know. And I think that's know, another controversial hopefully. fight. His last oh, fight yeah. that he fought, I didn't think he won. And I'm the biggest GSP <laughs> fan, but he totally did not beat Hendricks in that fight. <laughs> well, that's that goes again going back to the judging is that a lot of people look at GSP as the champ and maybe might have again. You might not you might not agree, but you got to think maybe that's how the judges looked at it. As he's a champ, you got to beat the champ. I hope not. And the point is that because we've seen it happen again. I think Hendrick totally world. won that fight. Yeah, it's not People, a perfect. I, world, I mean, but I think I mean it's not computerized. It's it's humans making these decisions. I mean, Joe Rogan. These are humans that we might not know personally or professionally, but they are um they're assigned by the state athletic commission with the idea that they have enough experience mm-hmm. and training as well i mean you have to train to be a judge you have to pass uh big, there's there's several courses mm-hmm. big johns is not the only one uh, herb dean has one um i mean there there's several throughout the country more than several but the idea is that you have to prove to the state athletic commission that your criteria for scoring is uh, is on par is on the same page with the state athletic commission mm-hmm. And and that you understand their criteria. That's how you're supposed to judge. It's not just 
it's just not just a commission going, yeah, that guy's all right. Yeah, he's pretty cool. He's I've seen <laughs> him around. Him. Yeah, I'll, I'll let him do it. I'll trust his judgment. Do you think there needs to be a change in the judging? I think Joe Rogan oh, had a few yeah. tweets as I far just, as like. I was just reading that about yeah. Joe Rogan. There's um, been, yeah, there's been talk about it. And the 10-point must system is, um, Joe was tweeting that the 10-point must is, is archaic for MMA. I agree. Um if Joe says it, then he's <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the things I was that always, kidding about that. That's one of those things where, like, it kind of bugs me at times. Where, like, if you're like, "Well, look at the total amount of strikes," Condit totally outstruck uh, Lawler. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's never been about that. It's judging round by round. Yeah. Right. When it works, it works, and you know, round so by round, you and... can't sit there and look at the total punches mm-hmm. and think that's who won the fight, right? Because it's like, yeah, you made it magnified. You may have had all those hundred punches in the first round. What about the next four rounds? So mm-hmm. again. I, I think it's fine for what it is, but again, the ten it, point must. Yeah, really. Yeah, you're crazy. Come <laughs> on now. Now there's too many dimensions to this sport, and what you you tipped on uh, something just briefly um, that I wanted to run with the um, quantity versus quality. Mm-hmm. As you said, you can't judge just based on the quantity of of strikes. Mm-hmm. Totally agreed with that, um, but you also have to determine. The quantity, if you're going quantity versus quality, like in Condit Lawler, um, was the quality of the lesser strikes, in this case Lawler, was was Lawler's quality, did that overcome and and, um, overshadow the quantity, Condit's quantity? Um, I didn't think so in the third round. Second viewing, I can kind of understand how people uh, saw it. It was uh, about a minute to a minute 30 into the round that Robbie had a nice big flurry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the rest of it was Condit for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's the thing. Sometimes Robbie's, uh, for this example, sometimes you'll have that one brief flurry of 30 seconds that overshadows the rest of the round. A lot of times you won't. Um, and that's that's the thing. That's why that's one part of why this is such a complex, uh, the judging system it doesn't fit for, for MMA, why it needs to be a bit more... Um, Bit more three D, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, you know, and that's that's just striking alone. We're not even talking about, um, you know, grappling as well, and judges needing to be as versed in grappling, as effective grappling as they are in effective striking. It's um, it's another part of the the whole sport that needs work, you know. But uh, <laughs> I will it's the best say, thing we got right now. I right? will say the the judging will get a lot easier, at least easier for everybody involved if it just ends like. The next fight that, that we're going to talk about is Tipe Miocic versus Andre Arlovsky. Because <laughs> there's no judging that. They, they, yeah. We well, know who they won that fight. Talk to judges how did you, at all. <laughs> how did you score the second and third rounds for that one? I had Arlovsky 10 8. <laughs> <laughs> if it had happened, right? <laughs> yeah. But that that was, uh, I guess, we, what we kind of all expected to happen mm-hmm. um, with these two uh, big guys. Of course, a uh, flashback to. Another one of my favorite rounds of all time, Andre Arlovsky versus Travis Brown. Mm-hmm. That was just an all-out oh, yeah. war. Yeah. And I wasn't surprised that I kind of saw something similar. Of course, um, Miocic just flat out knocked him out. There was no coming back for Arlovsky. Right. And uh, rightfully so, Miocic just started screaming at Dana White, screaming for his title shot. I was telling Jay that he should have ran over the over the cage like Aldo did mm-hmm. and ran into his face like that. Done a super fly <laughs> splash or something. Mm-hmm. It was my idea. Right on Dana and Lorenzo. <laughs> Catch! But is there anything specific you saw about this fight? Maybe just Miocic just kind of bouncing back from that loss against uh, Junior Dos Santos last year, or just maybe mm. Arlovsky, maybe kind of this comeback kind of just hitting a wall. Do you think he's going to bounce back again? Maybe. What are the, some of the storylines that you guys kind of saw in this uh, in this fight? 
coming out of it for Stipe in the future? And for both, yeah. For Stipe, of course, maybe coming in, to, um, just coming back from that loss against JDS. Mm. Like, obviously, he, he's beaten guys like Mark Hunt, you know, knocked out um, the guy we were just talking about, Arlovsky. Mm-hmm. You know, do you think this guy's ready for that title shot? Is he, is he ready to face the winner of Verdun um, Velasquez? Or maybe does he need one more fight, maybe against Overeem, yeah. to get that title shot? I think he should fight Overeem. Yeah. Yes. You ready for to that? That would be the number one contender shot. Yes. It has to be. Yes. It's a fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah fair or do you, or, and, what, and do you think Jay did? He's ready. He should get the number one t- title shot right now. Well, I think that this was an inevitability. Arlovsky getting uh, getting finished. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I hate to say he's kind of on borrowed time, but I think that there was only so far that we were going to see Arlovsky go um, with this new resurgence. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm all in favor of of seeing Stipe uh, come out with the you know face uh, face the winner. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, uh, Overeem as well. I mean, especially now that for for what Overeem did in this new era of um, you know zero tolerance PED and you know and IVs and things like that. You know, for him to uh, to to have his match as, as he did. You know, that's fair too. Um, but I was thinking as I watched this, Stipe is going to be. On call, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know Stipe is on call for the next thirty days or what, twenty-seven days or so. That you know? might be a short notice. Yeah, yeah, short notice pickup. You know, you stick Stipe in there. He was on fire. Um, he's going to be fun to market. Putting on my promoter's hat, I would, even though it's it's strange because I don't think that Stipe obviously he doesn't have the name that Alistair Overing does and the legacy in terms of casual among casual MMA fans. But that said, I think he'd have a lot of fun marketing Stipe. I think he's going to be great on interviews, promos, you know, Barker show and building up a match. Whether that happens, whether he gets the ne- he's the next one in line, or if you got to, you know, God forbid something happens to the title match tomorrow and he gets a last minute call and you got to put all that stuff together. Um, you're going to have, uh, I think you can... You can market Stipe better than Overeem, quite frankly. Well, I mean, if you, you know, considering you still have your promoter hat on, do you just give him that number one title shot or the number one contender? Uh, or do you just give him the next title shot or do you wait like about a month? Because in the next month we have um, Josh Barnett versus Ben Rothwell. Mm-hmm. We got number seven. I'm sorry, number six, Travis Brown Let's against Matt Mitrioni. Um, of course, Junior Dos Santos just got beat up by, by Overeem, so I, I wouldn't put mm-hmm. him in the picture. But do you kind of wait like about a month? Or do you just automatically give him the next title shot? Or just maybe just wait until see to see what happens? Or maybe have Overeem on call, too. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I can see Overeem being on call as well. Um, you, you probably wait wait a month, see what happens there, mm-hmm. and then determine if you, uh, um, based on what happens and how much... Like if Verdun comes off as unscathed or whoever, you know, right. Velasquez. Yeah. Um, personally, I pink, I'm picking Verdun to do it anyways. That's why I said Verdun <laughs> out of uh, instinct. Um, see if it comes out unscathed and maybe mm-hmm. three, four months later, or maybe yeah. if he can't fight for like nine months, then yeah, maybe an Overeem Miocic number one contendership. I find that fascinating. I'm going to go off uh, off topic a little bit, but it's relevant to this conversation. The UFC, I noticed, this year has not released their full schedule yet. Remember last year uh-huh. they did, did the whole Go Big campaign mm-hmm. and they had like 45 or 50 dates listed. That's not the case now. We're barely ahead by a month uh, in terms of uh, bout cards um, and, and schedule and stuff like that. I, I don't know what that is, if there's a specific reason um, that's related to the the amount of fighters that they have or if it's just uh, you know different people working, uh, working the schedule. 
um, at the UFC and, and still trying to finalize dates and things. But that has that has to do with you know how these champions, how fast you turn them around. Um, I, I think that we're still going to see probably forty plus. I know they want to go for more than fifty dates. I don't think that they're going to do it though this year. Um, but the more dates that you have, the more that you need champions to turn around on a faster notice. Um, and to that end, you probably do wait and see what happens with uh, um, uh, Verdum and uh, and Velasquez, and hope that they come out unscathed. You know, um, and then you've got uh, you got Stipe or Overeem or maybe even both of them on call to see mm-hmm. what happens in the next three weeks. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of surprised that Velasquez is still healthy. That That's a guy. And unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, he is a little injury prone. I mean, yes. the guy's yeah. only fought once or twice maybe in the last three, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Verdun being the guy. Who, per year. Yeah, uh, not even. Velasquez fought maybe last May, maybe June. Once or twice only Mexico? in the past. Yeah, Jeez, he that, fought the Mexico card. That and then before be. that was... I really don't want to say Junior Dos Santos. Or not, I think he fought uh, Silva. I feel like he's time. fought once, uh, about average, once a year. Dude, he had a long, he's had a long way Jeez, off. I take that back. He fought twice <laughs> in don't 13. Ever, don't ever question me. Once in 15. Still, that's three times over the past three years, so you're wrong anyway. That's what I said. Three I said times two, over the past... Two or three times in the last four years. You said one or two in the past three. Yeah, that's right. No, that's not right. <laughs> Three over the past three is different than one over the past three. Yeah, whatever. Either way, he, either my my point being, <laughs> he's a guy who does get hurt a lot. Yes, and you know, unfortunately, circumstance of the business. Mm-hmm. But you know, obviously, be, to be hurt that much. So yeah, I do agree with you. And maybe having somebody on call mm-hmm. just in case. You know, maybe he is texting Dana or Joe is texting. Uh, you know, Verdun, not Verdun. Of course, he's texting Verdun. Uh, over in Romeo, <laughs> just say hey, just in case. Yeah. You know, but. Should be an interesting month. It's texting Verdum saying, hey, how's today? Yeah. <laughs> doing all right? How you doing? <laughs> you didn't stub your toe or nothing, right? <laughs> Don't tell me you did. We'll see. Um, speaking of injuries, another uh, not a match that happened uh, on this show, but certainly some some hype that happened on this show. Uh, injury prone, I hate to say, um, Dominic Cruz. And a little promo that they released about two and a half minutes of a face-off. Yeah, with TJ Dillashaw and uh, John Anik, which I think is actually... Guys, tonight, uh, playing today as as we record this on UFC Ultimate Insider. Uh, great show. I, I enjoy that a lot. It's worth checking out. But I think the full segment is playing on Ultimate Insider this week. Um, how about that verbal back and forth, huh? We're going to talk about no the end. verbal back and forth. It What's... was just Cruz talking. <laughs> we were going to talk about that at the end of the show. <laughs> well, we I want to talk about It ties into being injury prone. <laughs> and knock on wood, that is not the case with Mr. Cruz. I don't know. I thought Dominic Cruz come across as a jerk, to be honest Did with you. you? That's kind of a jerk off. He's like, well, tell me, tell me, TJ, how are you going to beat me? And TJ's like, oh, well, I want to be like, that's it. That's how you're going to beat me. It's like, dude, I'm not going to sit there and tell you how I'm going to beat you. Shut up. But that's the thing is that, I mean, if you're a jerk off, that's one thing. But if you're a jerk off that can back up what you're saying and use logic and reasoning uh, and spit out specific bullet points and the other guy cannot volley back, you're right. L. It was not a back and forth. It was oh. just a fourth yeah. and fourth. That's it. That's <laughs> it, it was. was. Uh, I think Dillashaw was just stunned. Like, dude, do you seriously tell me this right now? Yeah, yeah. Dillashaw did not have... I, I don't have a comeback. He's exactly. Like, he's like one of those the, those people that goes into the mirror like later on. He's like, I should have said that. <laughs> I mean, pretty much <laughs> Dominic Cruz was kind of... Let's rewind. And again, here's our reference. You know, his one reference, or maybe even if that, Dominic Cruz is channeling his inner Conor McGregor. 
Just totally, completely, completely bitching out Dillashaw. <laughs> yeah, it took a little. Cruz has always been a, a, a wise, like he believes in what he says, and yeah. he's always fast to to spit it out. I remember that being the case. There was a, a confrontation between him and Uriah. It's obviously several during the mm-hmm. Ultimate Fighter season, but I remember there was one when uh, in, in the hallway during one of the episodes when they were just going back and forth and and. Uh, Uriah was just Uriah was being Uriah. God love him. He's like, all right, bro, cool, whatever. And Dominic was just firing away all these shots and in his head, and it wasn't. There was substance to it. There was a, a thought process. It was very, uh, very blatant there. And I think we saw the same thing, you know, with, with this. Um, it's it got me absolutely that much. More I mean, there's excited. a reason why Dominic Cruz is on the Fox panel for the UFC, and the guy's very mm-hmm. well spoken. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, it was interesting. Maybe it definitely made me look a little bit more forward to this fight in mm-hmm. uh, two weeks. You know what? I like I like what uh, Dominic uh, Cruz said. He said um, he says I'm better than you, and I'm going to beat you. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that. That was and, cool. And TJ didn't have anything. Like that he's was like, probably uh, one of the weaker shots to say. And TJ still couldn't come back he, with all anything. He did about is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk to you. We'll, we'll, I'm not good. I don't we'll, have to, man. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, when we predict that fight, you know, toward the end of the show. But another one of those controversial, maybe in your way, in your case, controversial split decisions, Albert Tumanov versus Lorenz Larkin. Hmm. Did you think that this was scored correctly? Um, yes, I apparently did. I agree. <laughs> I go look at look back and see how I scored, but um, two... I think if if uh, Larkin should have mm-hmm. should have um... those spinning back kicks. Uh, they were fun to watch. Yeah, they were. Really <laughs> they were fun to watch, but there's a way to do it where you're you're setting them up mm-hmm. because what he was doing, he was just kicking without setting anything up, mm-hmm. and what he was getting in exchange was he's getting he was getting countered, right? You know, and when you want to kick like that, you want to you want to kind of distract the face, mm-hmm. distract them with the face, and then finish off with the kick. So set up with a one-two yeah, punch definitely. or something. Yeah. Um, he was paying for those kicks, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, yeah. I, agree. I, mean, I, 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 I think Tumanov totally won that fight. I, I, to me, there was no controversy about that. Yeah. No. What? How did you? Which rounds did you score for Tumanov versus? Uh, uh, I can't, I can't think it was one and two. Yeah. I mean, Lawrence Larkin with those back, uh, those back kicks, kind of uh, recuperate himself. But I, mm-hmm. I don't think it was enough. Again, round by round. It's not about just that third round. It's about right. round by round. He completely won those first two rounds. Yes. And that's all he needed. But also the quantity. And quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story of the match, for the most part, was Tumanov throwing a lot of combos mm-hmm. to the body and to the head, um, you know, punches, and Larkin just tapping away at that uh, as front leg, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of different uh, kicks. Even like you said, the spinning back kicks mm-hmm. to the leg itself. Um, it damaged him and whatnot, but I mean, he survived, yeah. and obviously, and that's the thing, he survived. Yes. Like it, those were nasty kicks, and you saw the red. But it didn't slow Tumanov down. Yeah, and that was just that it, run round as well. Yeah, yeah. It didn't slow him down at least until the uh, towards the, or the end of the second or into the third. Well, you start you started seeing it when he started changing. Mm-hmm. Um, Switch stance. Yes. Yeah. Changing stance, and that's when that's when you seen that okay, it's it's hurting him. Mm-hmm. Now. But other than that, I think I think he held in pretty pretty good. Yeah, that may be one scenario where uh, it's in terms of judging criteria, punches unfairly have more oomph with judges than than kicks and chopping down the tree as Larkin was mm-hmm. doing um, because you don't see it 
you don't see marks nearly as much on kicks as, as you do punches. Punches, mm-hmm. you'll see eyes swell up. You'll see marks. Sometimes you see cuts uh, with with kicks. you got to throw a lot of them in the same spot in order for it to get marked up. And even then, if a guy is tough enough and still no-sells that redness on his, on his leg, you're thinking, well, he didn't really do... Yeah. Larkin in this case really didn't do much to yeah. Tumanov. And I see and I see what he was trying to do. He was trying to kind of damage damage that front leg mm-hmm. so that way he could take away from his punches. Mm-hmm. You know, but that wasn't the case. He he didn't mm-hmm. do it correctly. He, I, I would yeah. set set up with punches and finish off the legs. Mm-hmm. Um that should, I think that would have given him the the fight. Yeah. Yeah, he needed uh, needed to capitalize on chopping down that tree. You can chop down the tree only so much, but you got to push it as well. Yes. Yeah, so that thing falls. Speaking you know. of which, we have a featherweight fight also that we need to talk about. Um, Diego Brandau versus Daria Baranato's 2016 <laughs> fighter to watch, and rightfully so. <laughs> right. Not just because he was a AfterBuzz guest in the past. AfterBuzz alumni, right? Sure, AfterBuzz <laughs> alumni. But this guy really did show, has been shown a lot of promise, and that's Brian Ortega. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, obviously, with the way it built it up, and obviously, if you didn't watch the show, or you should have watched the show, you probably shouldn't be listening in here, but you could if you want, that Brian Ortega won. But how impressive was Brian Ortega with his, uh, I, guess, I guess, T-City, he likes to call himself. T-City. Triangle City. City, yep. This is the first one for me. I've never... I've never heard of that. Never heard just said it last night for the first <laughs> no. time. So. But that was awesome to fight, to uh, actually to see. Um, to fight as well, yeah. <laughs> Transitions. Transitions <laughs> was amazing. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. There were a couple good uh, submission finishes there. Uh, Ortega, uh, Ortega going against uh, Diego Brandau, who was a tough 14 winner at 145. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rogan had, had mentioned, I think it's true, he's kind of been uh, hot and cold since that run, uh, since winning tough. I think Diego Brandao hasn't been the same since he lost to Conor McGregor, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think that guy's Is that been... also because Joe said it? <laughs> Did he say that, really? <laughs> Joe said that as well, yeah. I, I, no. Okay. See? Yeah. Everything Joe says. Yeah. This guy, he takes everything from me. <laughs> what, what, what Joe Rogan's good at is predicting what move the guy's going to do. No, no, mm. no, and renaming moves. Actually that? giving names to <laughs> moves. Really? Yes. Yeah, sho- we, what was the the move? Sh- the shovel. Oh, a shovel kick. A shovel kick. Shovel. Yeah, there was a shovel kick. Um, we were we were hypothesizing about something called a transformer stab. Yeah, that's that's a new punch that we really need to create <laughs> afterwards. We'll do it on George after the show. Um, but uh, yeah, Ortega and uh, the other one was really impressive. Uh, Abel Trujillo uh, subbing out Tony Sims uh, in round one. With his guillotine, sweet. Uh, I'm looking here. The notes. Uh, Sims had a duck under takedown, um, and Trujillo uh, had a, a, a got a, a guillotine choke, um, but then flipped over. Uh, flipped him. I think he was on, on bottom. Butterfly. Trujillo was on bottom, and then flipped over on top using butterflies, um, and trapped uh, trapped Sims' arm. It was a slick submission. That one. Was that one right before? You know what? It was um, Abel Trujillo and then Brian Ortega's right after that. Mm-hmm. Two slick submissions back to back. I would say back to back to back because Michael McDonald had an insanely mm. impressive submission room as well, getting out of a of a arm choke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally like the guy looked like he was done, and then just kind of coming back with the oh yes, I see with that. the rear naked choke. Yeah, that one actually came right before uh, Abel Trujillo's. Yeah. Uh, and he got a performance bonus for mm-hmm. uh, for that one. That was over Masanori Kanahara. Um, yeah, you know what? It's funny because I the split decisions. Uh, looking back on the show overall, the split decisions 
to a certain extent, kind of took away from me. Mm-hmm. But when I look back and say, wow, we had submission after submission after submission, they were good ones out of the blue. Um, adds to the show. Kind of, <laughs> I look back and go, God, I got some good action out of that. <laughs> yeah, Not I just think, in the main event. I think uh, even going back to going to the prelims on Fox Sports 1, Justin Kitsch versus Nina Ansarov, that was a battle. Mm. That was a nice little Let's war talk between about the that two. One. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk um, about it. I don't know. Uh, How do you feel about that? Looking at the one fifteen women's, uh, it was division? it was okay. I thought I thought Nina had a little bit more of an edge mm-hmm. um, than Justine. With the striking, yes, very yeah. much so. And I think maybe Justine got got the the W just based on maybe uh, the takedowns. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, she was getting schooled on 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 the. On the you feet. thought Nina was pretty yeah. strong in the striking. Yeah, it was to me. Uh, the first two rounds were really close. With uh, the striking overall, but both those rounds were hard to score because of that, because yeah. the striking was so close. Yeah, uh, and the third one I think I gave to Kish because of or Kitch, excuse me, because of the uh, uh, that takedown there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, I'm looking checking out Joe uh, Joe Boza's chipping in here. Uh, I can see why Brian T City is on Darius' watch list for 2016. He's undefeated and a good fighter. After UFC on Fox 12, he won against Mike De La Torre, but was overturned testing for steroids. Yeah. Gosh, that was a while back, though. It was, uh, he did his year or nine months or so, I think. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and this is his second match, Brian's second match back from uh, from that suspension, mm-hmm. I believe. Looking impressive in both those fights. Uh, mm-hmm. Another big fight, Poirier against Duffy. That fight was supposed to main event the Ireland card mm-hmm. about a month ago. Um, so good to see that it actually happened. Poirier uh, beating in a... Uh, Unanimous decision. Uh, Michinori Tanaka defeated Joe Soto and split decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you might have disagreed with that. Uh, I, Daria Baronado texted me too. She was like, "Oh, I totally watched that fight because I totally disagreed with it." However, but oh, she finished. actually watched a prelim fight. <laughs> yeah, a fight past prelim fight. Yeah. Wow. I think she's still using my account to be honest with you. That would explain it all. She actually had access to it, so yeah. Therefore, um, yeah, Soto. Uh, I gave Soto. That was an interesting one. Um, Gave him the first... You know what? I scored it 30-27 for Soto. And I know that a lot of people are going to look at me like I'm crazy. Um, That was a story where Soto got taken down quite a bit. He was working a lot from bottom. um, A lot more than than Kanahara. Excuse me, Tanaka. I apologize. Um, Tanaka won, uh, let's see, by split 29-28. Two out of the three. And I think that the judges were, were giving... Tanaka those rounds based on being on top um, but I saw Soto working a lot harder on bottom and I think again it comes back to the criteria judging criteria and, and and a certain level of expertise that you need to judge an expertise in grappling mm-hmm. to, to really identify how somebody is being that much more at least busier if the guy on top is, is not doing much that the guy on bottom is being busier you know um and so that's that's how I ended up giving it to to Soto, but yeah, well. good night events. Before we wrap up and talk about next uh, the next time we're here, and which is going to be a title fight, kind of want to go over some some maybe non event storylines coming up uh, in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Donald Cerrone already fighting again. He's going to make uh, is that official? Yeah, he's going to wow. fight. In welter- he's moving up. He's going to fight in welterweight against Tim Means. So again, again, going back to what I said the last time we were here is that that guy, he's a guy who who keeps fighting, and I think that's mm-hmm. how he strives. He's a guy who can't have a five, six-month layoff, so that's why it's kind of hard to put him in title fights because obviously it being a title fight, you kind of need that five, six-month buildup, you know, for promotion and, yeah. and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so well, it could also be the, the – there's a lot of um, 
talk right now within the fight community and especially regulatory bodies about we we saw the IV ban mm-hmm. go into effect in uh, October, um, but a lot of changes uh, over the summertime. I mean, not not till July, guys, but um, we, over the next year we'll see a lot of changes happening with uh, weight classes and um, the and, and how weigh-ins are done. State the California State Athletic Commission mm-hmm. did a uh, um, did kind of a, an open uh, open seminar slash discussion in the uh, middle of uh, mid of December, excuse me, um, here in L.A. And uh, a lot of people, including uh, Jeff Nowitzki from and Mark Ratner from the UFC and Forrest Griffin were there. Um, Corey Schaefer from Bellator. Several fighters were there. Bubba Jenkins and Josh Thompson. And uh, Big John and Sean Wheelock were there. Um, members of the ABC were there. Everyone was discussing about these weight classes and cutting weight. Uh, the issues with uh, hydration and cutting weight and, and everything um, – that my my point to all this is that this is going to be a topic we'll see a lot of in 2016. Of course, One FC is also changing their um, their weigh in. That's a very interesting one. That yeah, I was looking at yeah, um, they cut hydration. Period. Exactly. Basically, we're a lot of these promotions are having to find ways to um, figure out ways to make sure that fighters stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. Um, for longer periods of time, not just the 24 hours leading up to the fight from way into the fight. Um, and it, it's a huge, complicated subject that I don't want to speak more on than I already have. But uh, um, that's something that is going to be, you know, as as we talk about Cerrone going up to welterweight. He's, he's pretty tall. I mean, he kind of yeah. looks like he kind of fills in 170. If he can make 155, mm-hmm. he should be able to maybe 170 might be a more natural weight. We'll right. see kind of how he does. Against him and be more comfortable. And mm-hmm. that, guys, is the idea in all of this conversation that we are having and are going to have um, is for fighters to go in there feeling fully hydrated and healthy and comfortable as opposed to putting it all back on in 24 hours right after weigh-ins. Um, so expect to see a lot of changes in weight classes, I think. Yeah. Um, I really look forward to see how they actually made the changes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just because when I used to do, um, when I used to fight mm-hmm. amateur, same day weigh-ins. Right. So I had dehydration for about 24 hours mm. before that, mm-hmm. you know. and Which would be 48 hours before the match itself. Yeah. And I think that affects a lot of the, your, your performance, you know, once it com- go, goes into the, to the cage yeah, or n- the ring. Not even... Um, uh, just did the math in my head. Not even twenty. Not even no. forty-eight hours. It was no, you got probably you got thirty-six maybe, or so. No, this is day of weigh-ins. Right. Yeah. Day of weigh-ins. You you so probably weighing in. When I did my Muay Thai fights, I was weighing in at maybe two o'clock. Mm-hmm. Fight at six. Okay, so four hours to hydrate. Twenty-four. So that's twenty-eight hours average. Or for us, when we would do it at eleven o'clock, you get on the scale about noon. Mm-hmm. Fights start at five. So yeah. Yeah, so um, I think that'll be that'll be good. Yeah, um, realistic for fighters, right? To to fight in their actual white class, um, weight class. Yeah, it, it's a shift in thinking and culture for cutting weight, and the idea that if I drop down and then I get big again in twenty four hours, and I, when I go into the cage to fight, that I have a size advantage, mm-hmm. or that the other guy doesn't have the advantage over me. Um, that's a, that's a big hill. For us to to um, to climb over to surmount um, in in getting fighters to to be that much healthier 
going into the cage. But uh, hopefully we'll see changes happen, uh, positive changes and, and less less damage. And yeah. subsequently better fights, man. Yeah. Healthier fights. Healthier fights. Yeah. In 2016. Well, another thing I wanted to look forward to 2016, um, a non-UFC story relating into a UFC story is... Uh, in the past week, Fedor Milinenko just fought his comeback fight. Mm-hmm. Will we see him in the UFC in 2016? And if so, um, how much of an impact in the heavyweight division we just talked about will that make? No, and none because of no. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> and why not? Uh, I don't think that Fedor is is going to. Um, I, don't, I don't think that Fedor is going to be competing. Competitively, I feel like I just botched my words there, but I don't think that we're going to see him going to to test himself against top top competition, which in the heavyweight ranks pretty much is in the UFC. Yeah. Okay. Well, real quick before we wrap up, I agree. Uh, we're going to be here in, in about a little around two weeks or so, yep. uh, covering uh, bantamweight championship for the UFC bantamweight championship. TJ Dillashaw versus Dominic Cruz. Who do you guys have? Um. I'm rooting for Cruz now because of that <laughs> promo that he cut. Uh, just too fun to to hear him talk. I um, I, I think that it's it's going to be interesting to see how much Cruz does his uh, um, uh, does his kind of stick and move uh, style versus uh, Dillashaw. Whether he tries to tries to engage and, and you know chase him down uh, or get him to the ground, and uh, I mean I would think conventionally that would be. One of the first uh, kind of basic tenets of, of the strategies get catch him, get him to the ground. Because I feel like a lot of the past few uh, TJ Dillashaw fights, especially against Hendon Burrell, mm-hmm. that's a lot of Dominic Cruz style. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of taken upon Dominic Cruz's style, you know, the footwork, the headwork, yeah. and, you know, the punching power. So to me, it, it should be, and, and not to say that Dominic Cruz isn't great, but he still only has one fight coming off his two, three year layoff. Right. And especially now, I think he hasn't fought in what, 16 months? Yeah, it's been at least a year. Since September of 2014. Since he uh, fought Mizugaki. Yeah. Yeah. So it should be interesting to see if uh, he's still healthy. He says he is, so. She's knock on wood. That's one that I'm hoping that we don't have an issue in the next, what, only two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. Stay healthy, dude. (laughs) uh, If you're listening to us on iTunes or SoundCloud, thank you so much for listening. If you're watching us live, 100% live, Joseph Boza, we're looking at you. Uh, thank you so much for well, watching. Well, we're not, but proverbially well, speaking. <laughs> we're, I'm looking at his, uh, his name in the chat room. That's right. Yep. <laughs> thank you for watching. Thank you, anybody, for watching. But where can we find you guys on the social media? JTAN716, just like last year, just like next year. Letha Laura, one L in the middle, and you can find me on Instagram, or I don't tweet, so just find <laughs> me on Instagram. And you can find me at Hermosa. that's G-H-A- I can't even spell. G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A on Twitter and on Instagram. And uh, we will see you next time here on AfterBuzz TV. Later. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 